You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show Get them now. Absolutely. On this episode, we welcome in one of the stage managers at the Moisture Festival, Rhea Lodic. We learn about Rhea's start as a math teacher and then making it up through the ranks of just about everything. Yeah, we learn about her multiple interests and we learn about how the adult brain processes information and how adults learn compared to kids. It's pretty fascinating. And as a bonus, you'll learn that aerial yoga exists. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're going to get to it and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. Let's get to it. Today's guest is a director, stage manager, and rigger at the Moisture Festival. We welcome in Rhea Lodic. Yay! I think you're the first uh, two of those three titles that we gave you. We've had a director, but I don't think we've had a stage manager or a rigger on before. I don't think I technically count as a rigger. Exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I was given false and bad information. I mean, I do help the rigging team. What? So when, when you're helping the rigging team, what goes into all of that? I'm so confused on what how they make that work. Well, a lot of it has to do with, um, we do more, the stage managers do more of the deck work. So we bring in like the floor panels or the crash crash pads or um, just anything else that's needed. Um, but the riggers, I believe are certified in rigging to make sure there's oh. no terribleness that happens. Now we're gonna, now we gotta go get another, we gotta go find a rigger, man. Jeez, I thought this was our one opportunity. Now, real quick, describe what you do. Like, how do you describe what you do? It's in general, not specifically at the Moisture Festival, but in general. <laughs> what I do, I do a lot of different things. Um, I, I think the most flattering way I've been referred to is a renaissance person. 
Um, so, so currently I am, I'm a stage manager. So I stage manage for the moisture festival. Um, I also do uh, musical theater and straight plays. And I am a children's theater director, vocal director, stage manager. Uh, I also teach summer camp. Um, I'm studying to be an aerial yoga instructor currently. So um, what else do I do? Um, I've also, I've taught baking and pastry classes. Um, I have, uh, and I kind of, I mean, I started off as a math teacher and then I decided to, why limit myself? I was yeah. going through your sort of your page and you've done, you've studied a lot. You've spent a lot of time in academia. And Louie asked about um, if I wanted to be interviewed and I'm like, I wonder where they're going to go and what questions they're coming out, out with because you've got a lot to choose from. Yeah, so well, let's like... start one that's not on our list. Tell me about aerial yoga. So funny enough, that actually does relate back to Moisture Festival. So after the pandemic, I was finally able to work my first variety show and was in awe of the aerialists. And a friend of mine found Seattle Flight Room, which is primarily aerial yoga. So it is the aerial hammock. Um, so it's got the silks and it's using the hammock to help with the aerial poses, uh, the yoga poses. And you start, you kind of start almost at like a level down from beginner, almost <laughs> like it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. And as I've been studying over the last year and a half, I've started taking now the more, um, we call them intro to play classes. So huh. I, my what? favorite aerial yoga pose is the uh, face planting dog. <laughs> that is that is a very good one. I do the like dead, the dead dog. <laughs> is that the, uh, so what 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 intimidated you about that? It seems like you are a person that is sort of been has done a lot of stuff or thrust yourself into a lot of different genres and vocations. Like what what was intimidating about that? I think just starting at a level I was comfortable with. Um, and just really being able to move at my own pace. And while a lot of the classes, and to be fair, I never did take a class. Um, I, I do hope to take one in the very near future. Now I feel ready. <laughs> um, uh, but it was just, um, I don't know, it was something about just everything even being higher. Like I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from them. Yeah. Very big difference. Solid. <laughs> and now you're gonna, be, you're gonna become an instructor now. I well, I, I'm taking the instructor training in a couple of weeks. And so I'm hoping to, and just really focusing more on what I love. Well, there's different parts I love about it. One is I love the flying. I love the more of the tricks. And as I'm learning the harder things, that's fantastic. But what I also really enjoy is that I, my body feels good. It is helping me stretch in ways. And um, I'm going to the chiropractor less. And I'm taking less medications and it's really just helping my body feel better as I enter my next decade, we'll yeah, say. Right? Um, and it's just, and what I love about the classes is it's all at like today, they'll say like, you know, today, if your body tells you don't do that, don't do that. Yeah. Here's a modification you can do. And if you have had shoulder problems, try this instead. And, and that's really what I want to focus on teaching as I keep learning the other things that are more advanced and more fun for myself 
I really want to help people um, just feel good in their bodies and just be able to release tension and pain by doing yeah. I feel like the yoga is almost a little more ex accessible when um, like I, for a long time, I struggled with balance or I struggled with just things like that. And it just, with having the hammock, it helps take some of that and alleviate some of it That's so awesome. that I have something to help you with it. That's amazing. So you've always kind of been, it sounds like in a teaching role, you said you were a math teacher, um, but then just kind of looking at your resume, you've done a lot of instructional roles. That is very true. Um, yeah, it started very early on. Um, my first, my very, very first job was at McDonald's. <laughs> and very quickly, I started training new employees at McDonald's. And then in college, oh. I was a bus, a campus bus driver. And then within, I think, six months or a year, I started teaching other people to get their commercial driver's license. Oh, that's interesting. So you, do, you, do you still have your CDL? I do not. I've moved too many states to um, keep up with it. And after a while, you kind of get tired of taking the DMV test. <laughs> but, Is it just um, because you're a, quick, you're a quick study and sort of can... So um, I went to grad school for instructional design. And Which is what? It, it's a fancy way to say, I understand how adults learn. <laughs> so it, it kind of already appealed to me that the teaching and the education aspect. And then when I studied that, it was, oh, okay. So if I break it down this way, if I explain it down this way, if I take it this way, then I can help others understand and see this. And so it's, I think part of it's natural gifts and part of it was also just, I don't know. I love how people learn, especially adult people, because they they learn differently than when children learn. Mm -hmm. So, like, as a, can you can you give us an example? Like what? Like what? Different. Yeah. What is it? A, so what, what's the general, struggles that adults have? Well, so in general, kids learn like a sponge. They say, right? So you can throw a bunch of information, and kids just take it, and they're like, "Okay, great. I'll store this. I'll store it. Great. Okay." Um, when by the time you become an adult your brain learns differently. And this is my favorite simplified version of explaining it is when you learn something new, your brain tries desperately to attach it to something. And it doesn't, if it has nothing to attach it to, it starts to get overwhelmed. And so it just keeps taking the information and it's trying to attach it until all of a sudden it realizes it has enough to form its own section. I like to equate it to, and I'm going to date us, um, when computers used to defrag and you would watch a little graph and it would kind of like take all that information and finally it would almost put it just in a new folder. I'm too and young. I don't actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> computers don't do that anymore. Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> at least they don't have the cool visual anymore when you can't sleep at night and you can just sit there and watch it. Watch it defrag. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that's kind of, so we just, we take information differently because we want so desperately to store it to something we already know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So with like aerial yoga, you kind of, you got to figure out how to put it in its own, its own folder. Exactly. Like, well, you kind of either, or with adults, um, you'll make a lot of um, references or analogies to something they may already know. If they've ever taken any yoga class or if they've ever done any dance or if they've 
just anything that comes to mind that may not even related to any of that to just help absorb the I was going to say, how do you apply that to like when you're direct, because you're a director and you direct shows and musicals and plays, how do you apply that when you're directing people? Uh, kind of similar. Um, a lot of it has to do, uh, especially since I work with children's theater, you have to kind of keep up with what the kids are into. <laughs> Because I find that every year when I go to teach summer camp, I have to find new analogies and new references. Mm. Um, for example, this summer I was teaching the vocals to Shrek the musical. And there's a line about this party's off the hook. And they're singing it and I stop them and I'm like, why are we singing this like a funeral? And they're just like, well, because it's it's a bad thing. The party's off the hook. And I was like, no, first of all. <laughs> and so I asked them, well, what would, what's, what's the current word for something that's truly awesome right now? And they're like, slay. I'm like, okay. Mm. So the party is slay, which then of course they had got a kick out of the whole rest of the summer. Cause I tried to use slay as often. <laughs> <as possible. laughs> yeah. But I would have been old school and been like the party's fire. Exactly. Right. But that's kind of similar in that you just go back to something that, you try to search for something that someone already knows. Mm. Now, if you're, since you're directing kids yeah. in a musical, is it more difficult to direct kids or is it more difficult to a, a direct adults? Cause if kids are what you say, like they're a sponge, I would imagine it would be easier. Right. I enjoy it. Um, and a lot of times I look at it too, that I'm not just teaching children uh, musical theater. I'm teaching them how to be awesome adults. In theater, uh, there's teamwork. There's working through things you may not necessarily enjoy. There's being asked to do things where you have to compromise. There's So it's really teaching, I think, foundational skills for life. When I see Shrek, that's I think of all those things. <laughs> Shrek is a really good life lesson. The whole, uh, just, I mean, once you start, you pass the whole, yeah. board, you know. Thing, but so yeah. I saw you studied vocal performance at Notre Dame. I did. Now, Do you have to be Catholic to go to Notre Dame? Uh no. Okay. Uh, it is Notre Notre Dame de Namur, I think is the technical name or something. I never actually learned the whole name. I just put, we all called it NDNU. Um so it is the one in California. Oh okay. Uh, gotcha. So it's <laughs> the, the liberal Notre Dame. It's not the it's the Mennonite Notre Dame or something. <laughs> I think there were nuns on campus. Yeah. Not 100% sure. So what what is vocal performance? Is that singing or is that talking or is that? Yeah, it's primarily singing, although um, you can apply the same. uh, You learn a lot of uh, vocal pedagogy. You learn a lot of um, just ways to speak. Neither of us made it through high school. What's pedagogy? Yeah, way that was like. (laughs) Fancy way to say teaching. Okay. I need to attach it to something in my brain so I can remember it. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, you learn, you learn how to sing, but then you also learn how to teach singing. Ah, okay. That is, it says you got a vocal performance certificate. Do you not get like a, you know, do you not graduate with a that like as your major or something like, well, so by the time I went to school for vocal performance, um, I already had a few degrees on my resume and I didn't see the point in gotcha. Other one. Like I just wanted the information I wanted. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. get all the other, like the core, kind of the core curriculum classes yeah. or, yeah. Out of um, all the degrees you have, which is the one that hangs behind your desk? They're all in storage right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would think um, the the mathematician, aren't you a mathematician? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, I'll answer differently. How about this? The one with the fanciest diploma casing is the um, baking and pastry certificate from the Le Cordon Bleu school. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah. Do you have to and, be Catholic to get into that? No, no. But you did have to take class at six in the morning. Which, oh, yeah. Well, you're yeah. a pastry chef, I guess, right? Like, I mean. Yeah, they're getting you ready for making donuts. Yeah. But that is the one I probably put in the most um, decorative and um, insane frame. So it's got like the chef's hat on it and it's got like the graduation cords. And oh, stuff. that's cool. Yeah. Wait, so at the at the graduation ceremony, did you all wear the chef hats? and? Oh, oh yeah, you're in, oh pristine pressed white chef attire and did you wear the checkered pants? Well, actually, you got to wear solid pants at that point because you were no longer a student. Oh, oh. checkered pants! Checkered pants is a student. Uh it's kind of it's very it's got hierarchy levels involved and stuff and just uh, yeah. Did you do the it's thing like the where, where you take the powder and you, then you throw it in the air like you know? Yeah, one you did. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. What's the most difficult thing pastry that you learned to make at your La Cordon Bleu pastry retreat? Sugar work. What what is that? You know how that you can blow glass and you can do glass sculptures, right? Yeah. Glass and like, you know, make all this. Imagine doing that out of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, not quite caramel, but if you think about like um, oh, gotcha, yeah. a hard candy uh-huh. and it under the heat lamps and you're trying to shape it and you're blowing air into it. And then all of a sudden you blow too much air to it or it got too cold and then it breaks in front of you. And you're just like, I'm doing all this for a display. <laughs> so you don't eat it. I was like, cause that doesn't sound sanitary if you're blowing into it. Yeah. You can't even eat it. Wait, so like when all those cake shows, right? Like, because mm-hmm. they, they, they spend days on these things. And I'm like, when it's time to eat, this is probably stale cake, I would imagine, right? There's tricks to the cake part. I mean, generally, no one's really eating the decorations. I mean, you'll get people who eat them. And yes, they're edible. But yeah, the cake, not usually. The cake's usually made kind of right before. And then you have this miracle thing called cake syrup that moistens the cake again. And it's... Oh. We got a little bit of um, flavoring of the adult variety in it. Ah, mm-hmm. nice. Like cigarettes. Nice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like a marble red. <laughs> oh, okay. So are you addicted to learning? It, I, I have wondered that, yes. I, I do have a pattern where I um, go find something new to learn. And I do it for a while and then I start teaching it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have that too about like, I, I turn my hobbies into trying to make money off of them and which I think is not healthy. Um, And so I don't know if you have that with education or like, you know, teaching. Well, I have that one with hobbies as well because it starts as a hobby and then it becomes, I'm going to study it. And then it becomes, I'm going to teach it and try and make money off of it. And then I start running out of hobbies. (laughs) So what's, what's the current hobby? Aerial yoga. Okay. You got to combine them all. You could do singing, p- 
pastry work while doing aerial aerial baking aerial, yeah aerial baking. i mean it's not completely out of the realm of possibility <laughs> so your first degree uh did you go to the university of georgia was the first I did. and you so you did math was is that right i did so no. were you were you a, just what what was the genesis for that um i was really good in math at, in high school and didn't know what to do and it was like okay i guess i'll teach math and so i went and got a math degree and i got to student teaching and i was probably 21 22 at the time and i wanted to teach high school math and i'm in my classroom and i'm just standing there going i do not want to be responsible for these 17 and 18 year olds and like no just no <laughs> Um, it, yeah, like I still wanted to be the person in the back of the classroom, just, you know, learning math, but then also not really paying attention. Mm, yeah. And, then, what, and so you were like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm going to go to, well, no, because it, I've always been a very, a big realist. So it was definitely better to finish my degree than to mm -hmm. change. Um, and I looked right away for a graduate program that was still sort of related, but also could give me other opportunities, which is how I found instructional design um, and project management. And so it looks like you were an instructional designer at UPS. I was. I was. I um, I bled brown for a while. So you taught them how to drop packages. You're like, yeah, actually, huh. um, I wrote some of the very first computer based training modules for the customer centers um, for UPS. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for, same with the UPS store once they bought, uh, I think it was mailboxes, et cetera, or something at the time. Yeah. And then you parlayed that to Jack in the Box? I did. <laughs> you returning to your fast food roots? <laughs> well, so the funniest part about the Jack in the Box um, interview um, I had never eaten at a Jack in the Box because I was from the East Coast. <laughs> they're like, tell us about the Jack's tacos. You're like, uh, they're just like in Mexico. And they're like, no. Well, but people warned me that they'll ask you what your favorite thing is on the menu. So I had to ask people, like, tell me something that's on the menu. <laughs> so. What'd you say? What was it? What was it? Crispy chicken or something, the spicy or something. Because I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I would eat. What did you do for them? I wrote training as well. So I wrote um, a lot of their supervisor training for um, kind of, I think they call them team leads, something like that, ship supervisors um, for the first level of management. So a lot of, um, so you're a manager. Here's some helpful tips. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure I projects too, but that's, <laughs> I don't remember. Do you think that the Moisture Festival could use something like that? Like a vol like a training? for you know volunteers or something or um i mean we do a volunteer training every year um and then we do we do a lot of more what i would call on the job training mm. which is you're here let me give you the bare information you need to get started okay great here's some here's some feedback yeah next. so and, and there's tons of different types of training i mean we could have here's watch this module before yeah, it kind of takes the fun no out fun. of it. I think. Yeah, I know. I know. I said that out loud. I'm like, that sounds horrible. Yeah. And then take take this standardized yeah. test. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of there's times for 
module-based training and Zoom and stuff like that. And there's other times where there's just, it's nothing like being in person and being at the actual event and yeah, as you go. Have you been, you've been to the volunteer orientation before? What, what, like, what does that happen there? Like, tell us about that. Uh, they talk about um, kind of the moisture festival in general, just because um, some people who come have like the very first one I went to, I had just heard about the moisture festival. And so it was nice to learn about like, what is the festival, what to expect. Um, and then the different, I want different team heads, department heads, you know, could mm-hmm. talk about their different um, sections and the different areas you can volunteer for and do any of them require like does this one require a car does this one require mm. you know certification does this one require you know that you wear all black clothes right. <laughs> um, this one requires a tie-dye this one is all black clothes this one we have the we, you, you applied for the ninja position yes. <laughs> <You're in. laughs> exactly um and then so you get to hear about all the different ones and then they open it up to the floor kind of to just they kind of do uh, people set up in different areas and you go talk to the one that caught your interest. Oh, cool. So were you like stage manager? That's what I do. Or were yeah. they like, do you have to take an aptitude test? <laughs> no, no. Um, I So I actually found Moisture Festival through the Fremont Players because I had just worked a show with them. And um, they suggested like, hey, you know, we think you fit in really well with this group. And so when I went, I was like, okay, yeah, all these departments sound really cool, but that I like that I already know how to do and that I like to do and cool. Great. <laughs> so yeah, I just went right to the stage management group. And so people who may not know what is a stage manager's job? <sighs> it depends on the type of performance theater mm-hmm. uh, genre that you're in. Um, it also can depend on the group, but Generally, I like to say you you organize chaos. Yeah. Um, for specifically for the Moisture Festival, you get there early. You meet with all of the performers at night. You talk to them about their stage needs. Um, you talk about like, um, do you have a table coming out? Do you have a chair coming out? Um, will there be water on the stage? Will the what do you need to have the best performance possible? What can we provide you to help? And in between each uh, performance or in between each act, we go out and we set them up based on what they've requested. And then when they're done, we take it away and set up the next one. Now, uh, do you prefer stage managing for acts that have more things for you to do or let? Do you like like taking it easy smoke break time or like Indy 500 pit crew? I think I like the variety. Um, cause kind of in a similar, um, vein as well, uh, when you stage manage musical theater, generally you have someone who's up in the booth, which is where kind of usually at the opposite end of the theater, um, kind of like a little black box where you're not just in charge of what happens on the stage, but you're in charge of other things as well. So you're calling light cues, you're calling sound cues, you're calling, every time the set pieces move and generally you have a headset to a stage manager on the deck, the stage floor, who then tells everyone else what to do as well. So I like it all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's one of the beauties of being a stage manager is 
you can have all different contracts and all different jobs and you can change this contract. I'm doing this. And then this next event, I'm doing this. I would imagine that the, the moisture festival, uh, sort of offers a unique sort of stage managing because yeah. when you're doing these larger productions, you know, it's the same show every night, you know, stuff is generally in a specific order. You, you know, you've ran through those multiple times with the moisture festival. I would imagine it's a different show every single night The and the performers, even if they are the same performers might be doing something different. So it is like sort of on the fly making art, right? Absolutely. And that's one of the things I love about it and love the difference of being with the moisture festival is because of that. You have like two hours before the show. Whereas with musical theater, we've been rehearsing for weeks. <laughs> so it is, it, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's probably another addiction of some kind of just, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. But do you ever like walk away from the voice festival show and you're like, that was chaos. That was just like, what? <laughs> I, every show I'm in, I'm like, that was just bananas. I don't even know how we pulled that off. And again, I think that's part of the addiction is that we do pull it off. <laughs> because <laughs> we know we can and we will <laughs> and we all come together and we do yeah it's true and so like you started on the east coast and then you went to where are you for where'd you grow up buffalo new york okay so six the, months of the, the <laughs> city with all the fruit streets yeah. right <laughs> like all the streets are yeah. named after different fruits and it's like you get into the pineapples and the papayas man it gets a little a little shady <laughs> I forgot about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to Rick James's grave? Ooh, I have not. No, I haven't really been back. Um, I went back a few times in college. And so, and then what brought you to Seattle from California? I was looking for a change of scenery. Um, I really love the West Coast and I love San Francisco, but I was really just looking for, yeah, something something new. Yeah. Seattle is a slightly more affordable San Francisco. So far it's getting a little dicey. What's uh, like, what's some, some things that are different from the Seattle theater scene to the San Francisco theater scene since you were sort of immersed in both. I don't know. It's just, it's different. What I'm noticing that I really enjoy about Seattle is that the art, I would call it a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more out of box. And I really love that, that it just, it's different and you never know what you're going to see. And that's one of the things I love about the moisture festival shows is I never know what I'm (laughs) going to see that night. Yeah. Right. I mean, the whole point of theater is to get you to think and to get you to explore things you don't know. So like when you, when the Fremont players told you, Hey, check out the moisture festival. Like what were you, well, not what were you thinking, but like, were the, what was the assumptions? And then what was, what in your mind was broken? <laughs> well, I mean, the first one is, I'm sorry, it's called what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but then just hearing uh, that it was variety, um, kind of just going back to the vaudeville type eras and just, I was like, yeah. I want to go check this out. Um, Had you seen a show before you even volunteered for it? I moved here in December, the first week of December of 2019. 
Oh God, geez. So I saw, I worked with the Fremont players that fall or that winter. And then I went to the moisture festival orientation and we never had a festival. <laughs> we didn't cover this in the orientation. No, it did not. And so I saw like, three you didn't give me a, you didn't give me a past experience to combine this with. No. Yeah. And I saw like three months of Seattle alive and well. Oh, and that's brutal. Offer. And then you're stuck inside. You don't really know a lot of people. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. I will yeah. say that it was one of the, I don't know what to call it. One of the, um, what we'll call silver lining. One of the silver linings of moving to Seattle right before the pandemic is I could turn just about anything into an exciting day. I'm going to get takeout from this brand new coffee shop yeah. I've never been to. Yeah. Because everything's brand new to me. <laughs> been to that CVS yet? Exactly. This is a new depression that I've never had before. This is exciting. I like how you did the smoking gesture during that, Max. <laughs> <laughs> when you came to Seattle, was it for a job? Like, did you have a job lined up or you were just like, I'm coming to Seattle? Oh, no, I was coming to Seattle. I knew one person and I just, I don't know. I was ready to start over and kind of, I actually had thought about trying to stage manage professional. So I thought about getting kind of a, you know, tiny little base apartment and be just, you know, my home base being Seattle and then do a touring show or something like that. And then, you know, pandemic kind of changed yeah. Is that something that's still on the docket? There's something oh, that... everything's on the docket. <laughs> There's things on the docket that don't even know they're on the docket. <laughs> my parents, I was talking to my parents earlier today, and they're just like, so what are you doing next? I was like, eh, we'll find out. Actually, what's really funny, when I worked um, at uh, UPS writing their training, the training modules, my parents didn't know what I did, and they would tell people that I delivered packages because it was easy. It was just oh, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm kind of a cog in the wheel. Sure. <laughs> like I helped the packages get to you. Yeah. Now, were you, when you did the Fremont players, were you stage managing for them or were you singing or? Um, so I started as a uh, dresser and a stage hand. And then I, they're just a fabulous group to be involved with. And so after got through the pandemic, they asked me to come back as an understudy. So last winter I was an understudy for the show and I kind of learned half the roles just in case. Yeah. Um, and then I would sing in the wings. And then this year we've just started rehearsals. I have my own role. Nice. Ooh. Can you say what your role is? Yes. Uh, we're doing Red Riding Hood and the Three Little Pigs. And the... Um, Without spoilers, there are two bullies named Huff and Puff who cause mayhem, and I am playing Puff. Ah, and was that was that the role you went in for? <laughs> She's like, I wanted Huff. I, I don't think it really works that way with the Fremont players. <laughs> They're like, you're a person. Here's a role. <laughs> yeah, it's kind. Of, it's a little bit more, I think, democratic. Where it's like, here's all the roles. All right, where does everybody kind of like, you know, what do you, where do you see that you think you do well in? What's something new you want to try kind of thing? So, and for I'm those who, who don't know what the Fremont Players is, can you explain it to, to the people who are listening? Sure. Uh, the Fremont Players is a British panto group 
in Seattle. So every year they do a holiday show and it runs every Saturday and Sunday from I think our first shows December 9th um, all the way to like the first or second weekend in January. We do have shows Christmas weekend and New Year's weekend. Do you want to come spend New Year's with us? And um, yeah, it's British Panto. So it is, we take a fairy tale or several fairy tales. We kind of mash them together and we insert as many jokes as possible. Some very um, child friendly and others that go over their head and the mm. adults are laughing and the kids are all wondering why do you get to boo people in british pantomime or like throw things or oh yeah no a, a call and response is very much encouraged um as especially as the role that i'll be playing if we're not booed at some point we're probably not doing it well oh so you yeah. take pride in being booed oh yeah yeah <laughs> who is the new yay yeah yeah uh so where's the 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 venue for the Fremont players now because they used to be at Hales a long time ago. We are at the Sunset Hill Community Club um, over in Ballard. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a really lovely little venue. Um, it is smaller, so we do we added a lot more shows to account for tickets being available to people. Um, but it's it still has that really great feel to it. Um, and it's just it's 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 got that holiday tradition to it that. You know, you can just come and no matter if your holidays are stressful or if your family's stressful or whatever, come and laugh with us. Well, you got to experience it before COVID, which, you know, so you got to see it before. Was was there a, a stronger turnout after COVID for, for the Christmas shows or was it, did you see a diminished return on people coming out? No, I think it's probably, I think it's probably about the same. Um, I think, well, I think Theater in general is slowly coming back. People are remembering like, oh yeah, I did want to go see that. Oh, let me go get tickets. Yeah. And, um, but it's, I think it, I think it's about the same um, attendance. Um, the houses are full, which That's is good. nice. Um, the kids are all down front on the carpet if they want to be, which is nice. You get to play to the kids and they really um, take pride in the fart humor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed like that people were very enthusiastic, more enthusiastic than they were prior to COVID as an audience. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that was just their excitement about being at a live show again, or maybe they were just like, frag their emotional experiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I, I miss right after COVID. There was like this sweet spot of like, you yeah, know. you were well, you were I... the biggest rock star in the world. Wow. At the new show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think COVID did help um, many people maybe reprioritize or to really um, think about things with some gratitude at sometimes certain things. Um, so I, I can see that. Yeah. Like you, I miss live theater. Like it yeah. just, it, there's nothing like being in an audience. There's nothing like being on stage. It's, it has this energy that you're connecting with people that isn't like much other things. Yeah. So we don't want to take up all your time, but I have a quite one note that we haven't covered yet. Oh dear. <laughs> and here's my note. It says Jazzercise video question mark. Hey, yeah, I had that too. It said jazz I said video not allowed. On mine. Yeah. 
I wasn't able to view this Jazzercise What's video. What's the deal with the Jazzercise video? I need more context than that. Where did that from? We don't well, know. Yeah, well, we were Googling you trying to find information. And one of it said Jazzercise. And then I, this is my experience. I don't know if that's for you, Louie. But when I clicked on it, it took me to a broken link. And it said this video is not allowed. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I did take Jazzercise for a while. I didn't. I never taught Jazzercise, but I was. I did take Jazzercise. Jazzercise is still alive and well. Oh, <laughs> that not- could be that could you could be an instructor in the near future. <laughs> okay, um, so you so maybe you should maybe we'll do an addendum to this question, Louie. Maybe yes, well, you should Google <laughs> Google yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I Google myself pretty regularly to see what's out there. How, but wrote, that, add I jazzercise. Yeah, I guess yeah. That, yeah, because I that's I actually always Google our guests at jazzercise. I always just see if there is a jazzercise video of all our guests. I mean, there's definitely some tap dancing videos of me out there. there oh, there's some ice skating videos of me out there. Um, no, because this uh, this is too much of a coincidence that it would come up for Louis and I. So it has to be just in your normal name. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll get to, if people are wondering, send us an email and we'll figure, we'll figure this out after this interview. And if, if you're curious, we'll, we'll we're going to, we're going to put our, our we're going to put Tim first on this to figure it out. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you or see what you're up to, um, where can they find you at? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, you're on LinkedIn. Yes, I did, but recently find my LinkedIn password. Yeah. So you can connect to Maria Sarah Lodick. Uh, yeah, Ria Sarah Lodic. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, my dog has an Instagram. Oh, what's the dog's Instagram? His name is Zin underscore Vandell because he's fancy. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. I, otherwise, you know, it's I'm a theater person. It's through connections. <laughs> you got to know someone to know someone. Exactly. That's how we roll. <laughs> if you need stuff moved, you know, you'll be there. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen at the Moisture Festival that you're like, wow, I, you know, I wasn't expecting that in my X amount of years of doing theater. Oh, I, I think I, I answer that every time, every show. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to just being with the Moisture Festival people, just being in the energy, being in just, um, I'm looking for the, I'm looking forward to the outfits. <laughs> um i personally take great pride in putting my uh almost all black outfit together every <laughs> night before the show um and just seeing everyone and yeah. that just being being in that energy it's just such a great energy space to be in and just from the very beginning when we're all there setting up the show all the way to the end when we're all having dinner at like midnight yeah you know, like, it's just, it's, it's family. Yeah. Nice. Is nice. that what, di- is that what differentiates that experience as opposed to any other stage production that you've done? Is that? Um, I don't know if it differentiates it as much as it's another family I have. No, but it's, it's good. I think to just have different places where you just feel it, that you belong wow. and that they're happy to see you and you're happy to see them and you yeah. just know you're have a great three to seven hours with them yeah. however long thing depends how many shows we're doing that day right <laughs> so and it's just it, yeah it's great to have that feeling 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you meeting with us so late at night. I'm in Arkansas, so it's very late here. <laughs> My prime time. Thank you for meeting with me. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking with us. This is a treat, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at the next Moisture Festival. Same. That's it for today, folks. want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.